Hey everybody, I'm Bob Baker with Jazz Guitar Today. We're here with Stefan Rumble, and we're honored to have you, man. This is really, really, really great. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So I actually first heard you play in 2015 in Atlanta, Georgia at Steve's Live Music. Uh, that was a long time ago. Where, where is that again? Atlanta, Georgia. Sandy Springs was called Steve's Live Music. It's not there anymore. And um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember now. Yeah, and you, you came down. And um, Charles Williams is a big uh, friend slash fan of yours. And uh, he said, I needed to come and hear you play. And I, I'm, I'm very, very glad I did. Cool. So, so listen, I, you know, you're a very important guy. And, and you are, yeah, in music, you are. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a big Django guy, and um, you know, he identified you as the number one, I don't remember how he put it, like Django-ologist out there. In, in the, <laughs> and um, the, the thing we, we, we want to talk, obviously, Django is a big part of your, of your music and your influence, obviously, that, that's a yes. big part of it. But what one of the things aside from the fact that um you you play you know obviously at virtuoso level um but you also educate i was i was i watched a lot of your your gigs you know on youtube and all of that and you um you do something that i think is very important you let people know what's going on and and you give them the history of the songs and the history of Django and the people and, and the culture around it. And um, so when they listen to the music, they get a, uh, a deeper, you know, a deeper experience, if you will, of what's going on. Have you always done that? Uh, not so much when I was younger, because I thought like, I wanted to be like John Coltrane when I was young. I was like, we're going to take a song and we're going to explore that song and play that one song for like three hours. You know, I did not speak at the gig, and I said I was never talking at the gig. And little by little, I started talking, and then I realized that I'd rather like bring people on a journey. And I started developing a, a completely different way of doing. It. And now I talk all the time, and I really built, I built a journey with the people. This is really about that. It's about the journey. Yeah. Well, I I enjoyed it. Um because it helped me um it helped me understand what what you're doing you um you're one of the workingest guitarists um out there i mean i'm looking at your tour schedule and um you're everywhere i mean you are you're traveling a lot and um playing playing a lot of gigs yeah how how do you find people responding to to your music all over the world, all over the country? What what is the what is the overall feeling for for you? Oh, it's an amazing response, you know, because I think like when someone comes to a concert, they want a dream, and we play the concert. We want to dream too, right? You know, we're on the side like we have that we own the instruments, you know, like we we project, but it's the same principle of dreaming. We dream our concerts and want people to dream our concerts too. And, um, you know, you have your everyday, everyday life, there's problems, there is this, there is that, you know. And then suddenly you're at the concert and we enter a very spiritual zone. It's very transcendental. And 
that's why I try to bring people into that zone of transcendence, you know, and I try to put myself in that same zone. So when we play the concert, the concert starts and then the concert ends and I'm not so sure what's going on in between. But I know that we're in a certain zone and we feel a certain way in the end. You know, when someone, I have things like I, I played like uh, the last show we played, for example, like uh, Friday, we had the Blue Knot in Napa. We had two concerts. They were full. That was amazing. This guy comes to me and he's, he had like tears in his eyes. Like, I wish my dad was still alive to hear that music because I know he would love it and stuff. You see, that, so for that guy, he reminds me of his dad and stuff like that. Another friend of mine, same thing, he was crying because he was thinking he was in the desert and stuff. Like, there are people that are really touched, you know what I mean? They have stories. Everyone has his own story, his own thing, you know? And yeah. everyone gets moved a certain way. Um, the work we do is um, very emotional work. Marcel, tu... J'en interview, okay? Um... Yeah, it's a very emotional, uh, emotional work that we do. It's not, uh, it's not, very, it's not intellectual at all. And uh, yeah, so and it's a journey when I use my words because I don't have lyrics in my songs. Right. But I like to to give a spine and a story to the show, you know. So there is a sense of story, and um, and the music is like the 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 sentimental, sentimental part of it is the feeling part of it. You know, we feel something and we get in that transcendental zone with that feeling. Well, one of the things that I notice about when you play is that, that um, melody and relationship to harmony is, is everything. It's king. You, um, your, your, your way of expressing your melodies is just, it's very personal. I can I can feel you and, and to, to speak to what you're talking about, I can feel what you're trying to um, convey when you when you play the melody. That, that's 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 kind of unusual. I mean, you know, to, to have that 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 deep connection. I mean, you're a technical player. I mean, you 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 studied, uh, you know, anybody can go on you know your website or can Google you. You have a Wikipedia and find out all the places that you've studied and. You know, you're a you're a learned musician. You just didn't, you know, come up, you know, from the you know the street and decide to start playing this music. You you've you're schooled. You play piano first, and then you know you, to the guitar, and um, you you studied in France, and then you went to Berkeley, and you know, I mean you you know what you know, you know what's going on, and yet with all this intellectual power. You know, it's it's really nice to see the two things. It's nice to see the education, of course, but it's nice to see your your deep soulful connection to the music. Is that is that a pretty accurate description? Well, yes. Also, I went to, as far as I could with schools and stuff like that. Like you said, I went to Berkeley and all that. I also took uh, I spent like uh, three years with a master in New York City, like an old master, like. Uh, learning the craft and the art of counterpoint, like Renaissance counterpoint and uh, neoclassical, uh, like a complete classical harmony, you know. And but with all that, now I spent like years erasing all the crap that I learned in school, <laughs> because that's like just a bunch of terrible things that I've been taught. You know, it's like a school has no choice but pack the space with information. It's a it's a space eater, you know. Right. And, and in order to justify taking your pay, your check, you know, to take your money, 
in order to justify their existence and take care of your money, they have to offer something. They have to sell something. It's right. a selling, selling part. And they sell information. Right. But so much of it is useless. And the problem is so useless that it makes the mind heavy. And it's impossible after that to create. Once right. you learn all these modes and all this stuff, you know, that it's completely useless. Right. Then you can't really, you have too much information in the mind. The thing is that we need a minimum of information. You need to understand how harmony is uh, constructed. A right. tonality, how does it work? You know, like there are fundamentals. So you want a minimum of things to know and the minimum of things in your muscle memory. But this said, it's a very delicate uh, frontier, you know, a de delicate line between do I have enough or do I need more? The thing is, the less you have, you know, the, the more sparse is the information that you have in you, the right. more space there is for the melody to deploy itself and really deploy itself when there is space. And um, once you understand like the very extremely basic harmony and you hear it, you know, the more you hear it and have it in your fingers and have it in your ears, in your eyes, and you really like feel it completely, then the melody you create with your ears. It's something you create with your instinct, not with the mental. If you say, oh, I have a G7, I'm going to play a G7 Mixolydian or something. It's just, this is crap. This is never going to do anything. This is terrible. <laughs> this is exactly what must not be done. You know, if you have a, a seven chord, you just look at like the shape of the seven chord on the guitar. You listen to the sounds and you listen to where it goes and you go take it from there. I also noticed that it's very geometrical. You look at the shape of G7 going to C, for example. Uh, so you look at where the shapes are, those little triangles, the lines and how they move one to the other, how they sound when they move. It's very playful, very, very beautiful, you know. Uh, Instead of being like, okay, so I'm gonna, this is the fifth degree of this. If I start from the fifth of that, and then like the, all those words like that, this right. is bad, it's bad news, you know. Um, basically, al algebra is not very good. One of my students is like, oh yeah, the, if you take the seventh chord and you take the fifth and then you play the diminished chord, I just like, the, you're already like lost. <laughs> it is already like a lot of talking and a lot of numbers, you know, it's like, Take the seven chord, takes its fifth, and then the fifth is the root. It's like, no, no, man. You have G7, it's there, 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 there. You should see it all, all at once. And if there is a diminished chord, you should see it in relationship. The diminishes, diminished chord is born out of the seven chord. So you should see the relationship between the shape of the seven chord and the diminished. It doesn't matter if it's every three fret or all that stuff. What matters is like the connection between these shapes. Right. and the resolution chord. So you look at a bunch of drawings and when you play, these drawings are sound and you trace them like, you know, like tracing paper. Trace, it's like there's an underlying shape and you trace it and it makes sound, you know? And it's a beautiful thing and you play with your ears and it's a wonderful feeling because we should not forget that music is something animal. It's our fingers, it's our ears, it's our eyes. It's our mind. All that is animal. This is, this, we are an animal. So when we play music, it's the body. We respond to our natural animalistic nature. It's a wonderful thing. You know, we don't want to be too Promethean and deny the fact that we are animals. Being an animal and being part of the animal realm is a beautiful thing. Although we control the animal realm and we're the boss. Okay, great. Feels great. But then like the, 
Uh, after that, we're entering also what is beautiful in the human being is the dreaming, the imagination. All that is wonderful. It's, it's great scenarios of all kinds and all imagination, beautiful poetry, music. But then you can also build up uh, illusions, illusionary, uh, very painful um, ideologies. So right. you can fall in the trap of ideology. And then you, you start to, to trap, you ensnare yourself in a virtual world of thoughts, and you're trapped in a Promethean nightmare. But uh, if you remember that you're an animal and you embrace that nature, that doesn't mean you deny the Promethean, your Promethean side. It is there. We're all Promethean, you know. But still, the music is something that is connected to us in the body. So if you want melodies, you should let them come out from your body, not from your logic. That's never going to do anything. Prometheus is not a, is not a creator, you know? He's a titan. He's not a god. I, I love that explanation. Thank you for that. Well, I did go to jazz school. I studied a lot, and I, I just totally agree with you 100%. Uh, Wayne Krantz, the uh, the jazz fusion player, Wayne says, uh, yeah, I studied bebop. It took me 10 years to get it out of my playing, you know? <laughs> That's exactly that. Um, Wayne is a friend of mine, too. <laughs> well, then, you know, you've heard him say that, you know? We, we're on the same page. Him and I, we're on the same page. Yeah. Our, our aesthetic is completely different. Yeah. Uh, our way of doing, but we're on the same page in the sense that we embrace our own nature right. and compose and we play according to it. We accept the way we are, who we are, we accept the world as is, and we produce something that is part of ourselves the way it, the way it is. You know, it's um it's fun to listen to. You know, I I, I when I listen to your music, I'm I, I I'm having I'm I'm hearing joy. You know, I really am I'm hearing joy and um and, and a, a spontaneous nature and um you know I, I i study acting i still do acting and we talk about authenticity all the time you know is, is this authentic and so the reason i say that is when i when i hear your your playing i absolutely have no doubt in my mind it's 100 percent you know you i mean it's 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 coming right right out of you and uh you know to to your audience I noticed that when you start your shows a lot, you play a lot of solo guitar before you bring the band on. You want to talk about that a little bit? That's what I do these days. It would yeah. change probably. But um, I, in 2017, we had a big show at Carnegie Hall. And I wanted to open the show. It was my concert, you know. And I had like tons of great guests, uh, like uh, Aldi Meola, Stockel Rosenberg, you know. So it was like a great concert, you know, and in the big hall at Carnegie Hall, you know, like the uh, most beautiful hall. So uh, I wanted to start the show with Improvisation One by Django Renat, which is a very beautiful piece, also extremely challenging, very difficult to play, very difficult. And uh, so I transcribed it. I learned it, I prepared it for the concert, and I started the show with that, and it was such a wonderful feeling. And then uh, I was always obsessed with like classical, but I didn't have like classical technique, I didn't really have time that, at that moment to like develop the minimum required for classical, you know? But I always had a, a classical mind as well as a jazz mind, you know what I mean? And uh, 
improvisation and rock mine and all that you know I, I love to improvise but I always had the desire to play like that like a classical uh, re recital you know right. like pre-prepared piece solo and then I was like I want to learn another one so I learned improvisation number two and then I was like I really love this repertoire maybe this is my repertoire maybe this is where I'm gonna <laughs> find something you know like in classical and then I listened to all the the entire Fremo uh, the historical recordings of Fremo and I found 17 uh, preludes that Django wrote like that. Like I call them preludes. They are like uh, solo guitar pieces, you know. Mm -hmm. I found 17 of them and um, I transcribed them. I recorded them on a vinyl and a CD. I prepared the whole recital. So I played the recital about 20 times, I think. We opened at the Lyon's Opera. It was sold out. It was beautiful. Um, and I played it many times since then. Uh, it's a, a regular like recital, an hour ten, you know, of music. Regular classical recital, regular length and stuff. Beautiful. And then I also wrote the book of transcription. So now they are all in one book. So it exists now as a recital. It exists on CD or a vinyl. You can like listen to it. You can have the book and learn it. So now there is a precedent. And anyone who can who wants to learn them can. I'm still the only one in the world that I know right now to play all 17 and to play the recital and to have done that, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, I hope that other people people are gonna are gonna pick up and uh, do the same work, you know. So we can be like uh, you have uh, the Stefan Rambel version of the Preludes, and you're gonna have like someone else's version of the Prelude, like. Uh, you have, uh, I don't know, Samson Francois playing Chopin, and then you have uh, Vlado Perlmutter playing Chopin, and you can listen to the <laughs> version of the same piece, you know what I mean? So I can't wait for someone else to do that, you know, and uh, I hope like other people are going to take interest in that repertoire, you know. So, But now there is a, a, a precedent. Now we know what it is. So I love to celebrate the beginning of the show with like a couple of these solo pieces, also to show people the magnificent mind of Django, his pure impressionist mind. And Django was a classical musician. He possessed the jazz, but he's also a classical musician. And when I say classical, I don't mean a genre. I don't believe in genre. Mm -hmm. Classical means the laws of nature. You follow the laws of nature. So Django follows the laws of harmony, follows the laws of rhythm. It's just like, it's just following the, these things, you know, as they are. He's not fighting the nature of the guitar. He's completely riding on all that, you know. So that makes him like a real, true classical musician. And classical musician doesn't mean you can only read like a prelude of Chopin paper and impossible to uh, to improvise. That doesn't mean that in reality it's like knowing the laws of nature. So, uh, and that brings us to the, the labels and stuff, you know, like always uh, see like there's no genre in music. I'm like, I oppose that. I think it's just like they had to classify some things by type of sounds and type of period or something to like make sales easier. But in reality, music is music. To me, there is no difference between, uh, um, I don't know, like Palestrina, Bach, Chopin and Pink Floyd. To me, it's all the same zone, especially Chopin and Pink Floyd. I see totally how it's and Django. I see how it's the same thing. It's the same beautiful melodic power. I don't see any difference in that, you know. No, I, I'm I'm taking in what you're saying and trying to. Uh, uh, I, I I've had a, a lot of a lot of these same thoughts, not 
probably is in the same depth, but um, you know, music is music. It, it's what moves, you know, what moves people. And then you, you see all these, all of these influences, you know, with the interplay of the, of the influences and all of that. And I love this idea of um, not being genre specific, you know, that's, so that, that's, that's that's really really good. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm glad to hear this. Um, you're you're a deep thinker. You're as much a um, a philosopher as you are a a musician. Where does that come from? Is that was that from your parents, or have you always been curious in that regard? And you know, how did you how did you how did you choose music in in to express your your intellect? You know, I am who I am. I am what I am. Yeah. And I embrace my nature. And uh, since I'm a kid, I've been like having philosophical thoughts like that. Mm-hmm. When I was like three, four years old, I remember walking in the preschool in the in recess, and there is that li- there was that little path, and I would walk in that path thinking I was like dressed like a Greek philosopher or something, you know, and walking and having conversations with like Greek philosophers. Except I never knew what a Greek philosopher was. I never heard of a Greek philosopher. I never had these images. I don't know where they came from. But I had these images, very strong, you know. Right. And things of the nature of the universe, for example, looking at uh, the building and be like, what is, is it really solid or is it in my mind that it's solid? And looking at the sky and being like, what is it made of? It's just light. like, where, what is that space made of? You know, like right. things. You know, weird. And also like about the universe having always existed and uh, will always exist. And the fact that the universe is eternal in a, it's a, it's eternal, but it's a infinite. I was like, if the universe is infinite, everything that we imagine must exist somewhere. Everything exists. Then there is no place for something not to exist. What we imagine is we connected to something somewhere else in the universe that exists. It's for sure, because if it's infinite, there is an infinity of possibilities and we are part of that infinity, even with our imagination. So already I was like three, four years old thinking things like that. I also had like a psychedelic moments, watching the fire and stuff like that. I had like pure psychedelic experience, not doing anything, <laughs> like being in trance and stuff like that. And I remember from, uh, from f- forever, I wanted to be uh, an artist. I love music, I love painting. And I knew I was going to be an artist. I never, it never came to my mind that I would have a job one day. I never even thought about it. <laughs> never had a job. I, ne- I don't know what that is. And I never, like all my, my friends at school, like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And me, I was like, I'm just going to play music or paint or something. I'm, I'm not going to do anything else. Well, do you paint? Uh, I'm restarting. Because the thing is, I wanted to be a painter when I was young. That's what I, it was my calling, you know? And I got discouraged when I was like a teenager. I kind of discouraged myself also, but I didn't know really how to express it, you know? Um, but basically I, d- I did twice my first year of high school because I had poor grades. And uh, halfway through the second year, it was terrible again. So my dad took me to the special school that had uh, <clears throat> fine arts, which I really wanted to do that f- from the get go. You know, I wanted sure. to go like, to do like um, my high school diploma with a major in fine arts. And my parents, you know, they were a bit old school and stuff. God bless their heart. I'm not blaming them for anything. They, they did the, what they thought was best, you know what I mean? And sure, stuff. Of I'm not blaming them at all. And they were probably right because the path is the path. 
And uh, I went there and uh, they, they show my paintings and stuff. They say, yeah, for sure, we, we could totally have you. Uh, you have your place here. And what's your situation at school? I say, I'm doubling my first year. They say, ah, oh, you cannot triple, so you can't come here. This is over for you. And that kind of broke my heart. It's so yeah. intensely that I never painted again. What do you, have, do you have artists that you particularly like? Is there or a period that you like? I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to narrow you down to genre because I know we don't want to do that. But fine painting, yeah. My my very favorite of all is uh, Mobius Jean Giraud. Mobius Mobius is a uh, uh, he was more into cartoons, uh, like uh, comic comics, and Jodorowsky. It's called the Incal. The Incal is the greatest um, comic book ever written. I'm There's everything in it. But yeah, like right now we're putting like it's a giant conversation. But Mobius is my favorite artist of all time. But I must say, I love uh, I love Paul Klee. Not everything, not when it's too colorful and too big, but some of the things he did are some of the most exquisite paintings I've ever seen. His sense of form is incredible. I love I love uh, Picasso, of course. I love Picasso. Picasso was always one of my favorite. Cezanne always touched me. Monet, Manet, Manet. I love yeah. Pissarro. Um, I love uh, I love because it's very classic. Uh, Impressionism and post-impressionism primarily is that? Uh, no, everything. I love uh, Vermeer. I love like all these Dutch painters. I love. Oh, yeah. I love everything. I love all paintings. I think they're all beautiful. And does that inform? How does that inform your music? How how does how does that? The way I compose, I follow now. Now I embrace the process. I'm not trying to compose based on something. I compose based on a feeling. I feel a melody or a groove or something wants to come, so I, I put it on. Then we record it with the band, we mix and we master. Once it's ready, then I re-listen to it, and with the help of it, I plunge within myself. And in my depth, somewhere, there is, I know that song comes from somewhere because I felt it. I gave birth to it. And now I go back and I find the one thing that it was born from. This is where I give the title. Because I know now what the song is tied to. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, um, I'm spellbound by talking with you. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm. I'm getting much more than what I bargained for, and I really appreciate that. I'm very rarely do uh, do people hit me quite this way. I, I'm 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 getting a lot out of out of listening to you talk, and I I love I love the way you play. I love the way you um. I love the way you can feel the emotion through your music, which is what we've been talking about. Let me ask you a question about something that I noticed, and I don't know if this is deliberate or or whatever, but. I noticed when you were playing a Django piece, um, you were playing with two fingers, in the way that he, you know, the way the way that he was relegated to. Is that something that you're doing consciously? And how, how does that? I mean, I know you 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 will play with all, all of your fingers when you're playing, just playing. But when you specific specifically on a few Django pieces, um, and I I saw you play, you know, with just the two fingers. Is is that is an homage to to Jan how what's that all about so on the hand the first two fingers are the strengths mm -hmm. this one like when you do like palm reading this one is a uh, zeus and this one is saturn so it's like really the saturn is the pillar it's like a, a lead in a, in alchemy so that's like the strengths here and this one 
is like uh, you know the, from the the Sagittarius and all that. It's like the the yeah. finger that travel and it's the very the positional finger. But these two are strengths. This one is Venus. This is Aphrodite. This one is the sensitive finger. This one doesn't have his own, also doesn't have his own tendon, so it's like the weakest finger of the hand. But it's also Venus is the most beautiful. This is where you have sensitivity. You notice you're a guitar player, when you bend, it's always with that finger. When you do tremolos and stuff, it's always with that finger. And the last one is really an extension, you know, it's made to like finish the job, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you see, so the fingers have a function, you know? And Django's hand got burned here, the tendon. So these two fingers could not unfold properly. So he could play the chords, but he could not use them really for soloing. So he was stuck with uh, Jupiter and Saturn, you know, like with <laughs> the, the two with the strengths. Yeah. So my great question always was, okay, Django played this solo with two fingers. Is there any interest in doing it with two fingers? Am I going to learn something? That's always the question. Is there something for me in it? And the only way you can know is by doing it, is to be right. empirical. You cannot put thoughts before doing, before action. Action first. It has to be empirical. If you look at the, the 12th scene, the, the astrology, the signs, there right. is an order in those signs. It starts with uh, Aries, which is fire. Mm -hmm. it's the energy of the beginning. And then you have a Taurus, which is the earth. So you start with the body. You start by putting that energy in the body, meaning you start by putting some like things that you can play in, you, in yourself, chords, melodies, whatever. Mm -hmm. Then Gemini is the air. Then you analyze what you can play. You don't put like analyze before the playing. You put it after. Mm -hmm. First you need to do. You need to be able to do something. Then you analyze it. And the first one is a cancer, is a water sign. This is the integration of all that in the psyche. And then there is another cycle, exactly the same, but with a Leo, Virgo, Libra, and Scorpio in that same order, which is the next level. It goes a bit deeper. And then there is the last level. We call them the great archetypes with a Sagittarius, a Capricorn, a Verso, a the verso uh, in English, in French, is, uh, the one before Pisces. I forgot the name now. It's just like, <laughs> how did you find I don't know. I don't um, know. You got, you got me on that. Um, anyway, so it yeah. goes in the same order. So it, te it tells you it's an initiatic path. It tells you how to learn. So if you start learning a bunch of like theory crap, that's going to go in the way of your playing. Then your playing is going to be confused. It's, been to, it's better to play first, then analyze what you play, and let it become part of your muscle memory. Oh, boy. It's harder I, for it to be proper. I totally right. agree with you. Learn to play. And then, um, so when you do something like that with Django Reinhardt, you learn the solo with two fingers, mm. and from that, you analyze what you see, integrate it, and see what it does to you. You cannot pre think what's going to happen. If someone tells me, oh, no, but I have four fingers, I don't need to transcribe with two. It's like, okay, but you, you don't know what you're missing because you're not learning from it. Whatever you learn from it, if you don't do it, you will not learn from it. So you're missing that part. There are people that can play the notes and play a lot of notes and they can play, they can, they can read the music and all that. 
but there's no feeling in it at all. There's no depth of, of emotion in their playing. So is that what we perceive? Because, because the same person you feel is like that, someone else with completely love. Yeah, I know. That's, that's the hell of it. So yeah. maybe it's not in the person's... Maybe it's not your... We, we don't share the same vibration, you know what I mean? The same yeah. vibration feel. But you see, so I learned the solos with two fingers. And by learning them with two fingers, I learned the science of fingering because Django was the greatest at fingering and positioning and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I learned so much by doing that. Then after, I relearned the solos with four fingers as well. But the fact that I also have two fingers, sometimes it's better with two fingers. Some things are better played with two fingers. Some things are better played with three. Some things with four fingers. So that gives you a whole, in your muscle memory, a whole um, bunch of various techniques that you can use like uh, all the time. And it's natural. It's in your muscle memory. You don't have to think about it. But now you have so many varieties of fingerings and stuff that you can express like way more than if you just learn one way. And there is definitely much to learn from Django Reinhardt, who is, to me, I always say that, Django is to the guitar what Bach is to the keyboard. So you study Django, you're just going to be a better guitar player. That's it, because he's an archetypal player. Django is an archetype. He's the archetype of the guitar. So you learn for, directly from the archetype, and you're going to make great progress. <laughs> Are there any... What, what, what other musicians and instruments do you... Do you listen to if any i mean what 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 who are some of your favorite musicians alive and and um and past i absolutely love ravel i have like i had an obsession for many years on ravel you know i listen to a lot of classical piano and a lot of ravel satie debussy chopin i love um and things that are more contemporary i love pink floyd it's my favorite band uh, <laughs> and the police and uh, sometimes the Beatles a little bit, the Rolling Stones. Um, I listen to a lot of uh, 80s music too, like the hits from the 80s. Uh, I drink some uh, wine yeah, and get a bit tipsy and I put some 80s music and I remember when I was a kid and then I sing the songs and stuff. It's very pleasant, <laughs> it's great. I'm having a great time. Do, do you sing? Oh, I'm a terrible singer. I don't have a good voice. So I sing for myself. I don't care. I'm in my kitchen. I sit down. But you know, it's old school. I just play the songs and I listen to the songs and I, I listen to them. Yeah. Not doing anything else. You know what I mean? So I'm doing that and I'm doing all kinds of things. I love Raph Towner a lot. Uh, Gary Burton, Raph Towner. I love the ECM stuff. Uh, I, I love their straits. Uh, Mark Knopfler is in my top five. Yeah, I think like when I think guitar, I think of Django Reinhardt, uh, Ralph Towner, Frank Zappa, um, David Gilmour, and um, um, did I say Mark Knopfler already? I think he did. I no. Yeah, and I think also of um, uh, Jimi Hendrix. Love, I love Jimmy. Perhaps uh, Jimmy Page, you know, like the, these are the names that come, and perhaps Steve Vai and Satriani also. But, uh, but really, like, my, my guys are, like, like Django, Mark Knopfler, Zappa, David Gilmour, and, uh, and Ralph Towner. These are my guys. Yeah, I interviewed Ralph a, a while back. He's, he's a really, really interesting guy. Very, very... What a musician, man. Oh, yeah. what a musician. Yeah, he's, he's an interesting guy, for sure. Very, very cool. Well, listen... 
This is my triptych. <laughs> That's why I was like, I went to pick it up. Three albums were re releasing this weekend at Joe's Pub. Uh, that's well, you know, I I, um, I saw that, and that's why I called you. I said, "Hey, let's talk about let's talk about those records for just a minute. What's on yeah. those What's on those records? We're looking at at three CDs for people that are catching this on um, on the uh, podcast, but obviously some people watching the video. Tell us about yeah. the new the new project. Well, it's a triptych with Jean Michel Pilk on the piano. It's my band, the Quartet. Right. Uh, two guitars, bass, drums. But we, ha we have um, Nick Driscoll on saxophone and Jean-Michel Pilk on piano. Jean-Michel Pilk is one of the greatest piano players on earth. He's like unbelievable. Um, and this band is unbelievable too. So, And uh, this weekend we are releasing the... So it's a triptych. It's, the, um, uh, it's a representation of human life, the three stages of life. From 20 to 20, from zero to 20, you're a child. You cannot build a person, personality, a persona, a character. You build yourself, you know, an image. From 20, 25 up to like 50, you get, you received an initiation and now you be, you're participating in building the world. You know, you work very hard. You get an initiation and you work hard. And then the third part, when for me, it's like entering the 50s. For a lot of people, it's like that too. Um, it's the entrance in old age, the last stage. You know what I mean? It's the third phase. And this is, if you're, especially if you're well equipped with uh, uh, philosophy and all kinds of beautiful things, it's, it's a very beautiful, it seems to be a very beautiful period that I cannot wait to, to uh, really like uh, be in like, uh, fully. Because I think there is like for an artist, there is, you, you get better and better. The more you work, the better you get. Right. So you cannot buy years, you cannot buy time, you cannot build a tree. So... Uh, that last stage is the stage where your your technical level is at the top, your ears are at the top, and you have like very high levels of consciousness and wisdom and grace, and all that can be transcendent uh, in the music, you know. So this so this triptych is about is is about end, ended up being about that. I didn't know when we did it that it was about that, but it is about that, you know. It's about the three <laughs> stages of life. Um, so it's incredible to play with uh, with these guys. They are like my, my guys. My band is probably one of the greatest rhythm player uh, rhythm section in the world. Uh, there are three of the best players in the world: uh, Nick Driscoll on uh, Nick Anderson on drums, Ari Forman Cohen on bass, and Josh K on guitar. These guys are like the best. Uh, Nick Driscoll on saxophone, same thing. Is a UFO. He lives like alone in uh, Pennsylvania. You know, he like plays his instrument all day long. He's an amazing musician. He's like a super wise and, and brilliant person. And Jean-Michel Pilk is really definitely one of the greatest piano players who ever lived. He's like unbelievable. And the chemistry is the, is the right one. So it all works perfectly, you know. While the with the classical, with the this, with the, we're exactly all on the same page. And um, we played a series of concerts with Jean-Michel in 2019 that were incredible. We, never, we didn't know each other. We were like, okay, let's play. And it was so great. I said, let's go in the studio. So we re started recording in February 2020. Then we had to wait until this September 23 because of all the events. And um, I said, Jean-Michel, let's record, but let's record a triptych, three albums. I have a vision. That's what we must do. And oh. I didn't know why. And we did. And the composition, I didn't know what they were. They, I felt, they felt like very human or something. There was something so human about them. So I was like, okay, I'm going to compose like that and find out. And then I put them together and all. And suddenly the titles started to come. And once I looked at it, I was like, oh, 
these are the three, three stages of life. And this is exactly, I'm on number three right now. And it's exactly that, you know, it's a reflection. And this is the most me that I've ever done. This is really, at this point, this is my masterpiece. This is like uh, what I was aiming for all these years is like contained within this. Oh man, I love that. I absolutely love that. Well, listen, you're going to be, just so people know, you're going to be freaking everywhere. You're going to be in Santa Cruz, California. You're going to be the Blue Note in Napa. Well, that was in January. Was. The 26th is coming up. Where you were? Wait, what, what's the day? 29th. You were just there. I'm sorry. I don't even know what day it is. So you're going to be at Joe's Pub in New York. Yeah. You got three nights there. Then you're going down to Savannah for the music festival. You go to Sarasota, Florida, and, uh, Fogartsville, Judson's in Orlando, Tim Pan in Richmond, Virginia, Blues Alley in D.C., uh, Regatta Bar, Boston, Jimmy's Jazz and Blues in New Hampshire, uh, NPR Soundstage. That's pretty cool. Pittsburgh Winery in Pittsburgh, PA, Ginger Rabbit, the Bobs. I mean, you're, you are freaking everywhere. Django ah. Agogo on the road. That's going to be at, uh, in Santa Cruz. Well, that was, excuse me. Uh, no, Django Agogo is my festival in New York. Um, oh, okay. It's a weekend festival. I have um, Angelo oh. Debar, Serge Camps, Frank Anastasio, the original Gypsy Guitar Trio from 1989, the legendary trio that recorded the legendary album. Angelo Debar is like uh, a legend. And uh, the three of them have never played in America, so they are coming... They haven't played together in 35 years. So they are reforming the trio and coming to play for my festival for the very first time. April 30th through May the 5th. Yeah. Down and Hall, also York, so, uh, Simba Baumgartner, who's Django's grandson. We have uh, uh, Hugo Gesbar, the rising star of Gypsy Jazz in France. He's 22 years old, great master. We have Hugo Gesbar. Uh, we have um, Adrian Marco, also one of the great band leaders. And Aurore uh, Welkian Violin, Jean-Michel Pic is going to be there. And for the whole week, so we have a concert series in Maplewood, three nights. And the final show is at the legendary Town Hall in New York City, one of the most beautiful concert halls in New York. And uh, also during the week, we have a guitar camp for 40 students. And we do like little groups and everyone learns with everyone. We have breakfast together, lunch together, we jam together. There is a bunch of classes, guided, uh, uh, guided jam session, workshops, concerts. Then we go to the pub and we play. It's a whole week dedicated to the music of Django with some of the greatest players on earth. And infectious energy abounds. That'll, that'll be the, the, big, the biggest part of it. This, this, uh, <laughs> your, your infectious energy is just incredible. I love it. Thank you. Oh, man, that's great. Well, listen, you're blowing me away. This interview just absolutely, I'm going to use the word stunned. It stunned me. I, you're, um, uh, the depth of your intellect and, and bringing it to your art is um, second to none. Man, I love it. I absolutely love it. And when I will listen to you play. I'm moved by your playing and um, I can see what it's informed by. And I, I'm just totally, I'm totally blown away. I, I really am. This is great. So I'm going to let you run for now. We're going to um, hopefully we'll we'll do this some more in the future. You know, when you've got stuff you want to talk about and all that. Anytime you ever want, you know, uh, to address our audience, um, you know, please just give me a you got my phone number. Sure. You know, this 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 is a community we're building here. You know, this j jazz guitar today, it's a community we're building. And and um, so we we invite you in anytime, you know, just come on over Get 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 that virtual cup of coffee with us, you know, anytime you want. So, uh, 
So Bob Baker for Jazz Guitar with Stefan Rumble. And man, we appreciate your generosity today. And uh, we appreciate you opening up your mind to us and giving us um, all this insight into what's going on with, with you and what with your music and how it's informed. It's, 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 it's uh, stunning. That's it. It's Thank just, you. Just stunning. I'm, I'm, I was happy to talk to you, Bob. It was yeah, great. It's great stuff. So take care. Um, Thank you so much, Stefan. Appreciate it now. Thank you. Good night. Bye. Goodbye. Have fun. Say say good night to your daughter. Goodbye to your daughter. She's a beautiful little girl. Take care Thank now. You. Bye. Bye. -bye.